Okay, we're going to talk about a clean heart tonight. So let me go back to the progression of what we've been going through. Uh, so I just kind of want to make mention again of the different things that we've been looking at with regards to experiencing God's fullness in our lives and in our church. So, uh, first of all, uh, we've talked about the progression. starts with a thirst, with a hunger for something so much more. And uh, to be honest with you, I had some interesting conversations this week with uh, some different folks. And this is not just something that I believe is happening just in our church, but it seems to be something that's happening among a lot of churches right now, that there is a thirst for something so much more in their relationship with Christ, as far as there has to be something more than what we're just doing as a church. Um, we talked then about frustration, about the frustration that happens, because we want that desire. How do we get that desire? We struggle with our our own sin, because that hinders us in our relationship with Christ, which that brings us to realization, you know, where we realize, I can't do it. It has to be something, someone else. It has to be the Lord. So we come to that place of surrender. So now we've been talking about surrendering and talking about really focusing on Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14 through 15, actually 13 through 15. And from that, we've been looking at kind of a progression that needs to take place in our life if we're going to understand surrender. And number one, it's listening because God tries to get our attention. Two, humility. We got to also look at that aspect of recognizing who we are, humbling ourselves before God. And then last week we looked at the issue of prayer. Not just any kind of prayer, but prayer that seeks the face of God. We're going to talk today about repentance. That's, I mean, Second Chronicles 7.14 says, turning from our wicked ways. So what does that mean? It's actually the issue is repentance. And then we're going to, which we'll focus on next week, is the issue of waiting. So let's talk about repentance today. So I've got a couple points I want to make before we look at God's Word today. Uh, first of all, we struggle with understanding the difference between confession and repentance. Now, I, if I were to say to you, what, ask you what confession is, I'm not going to, I think everybody here could pretty much come up with a definition of confession. It's basically saying to God, I did wrong, or I messed up, or I sinned, and telling him what you did. So I think we all understand confession. Um, it's part of our society as far as, you know, criminal things. People make confess when they've done something wrong. So we understand confession. Now the problem is, and this is very true in the church, what is repentance? Because repentance is actually something so much more than confession. Okay, And through the years, because I can think of even like 25 years ago, hearing preachers downplay repentance or even say that repentance was a work. You know what I'm saying? Especially when it came to the issue of salvation, that repentance was a work. But that didn't seem to jive with the Scripture because the Scripture calls us to 
repentance. So what is it? And a lot of people struggle with that. Is it an action? Uh, is it a work that I do? Or is it something else? You know, usually the definition that most people go with is the change of mind. It's, it's a, uh, a focus concerning sin in your life and getting it back on God. So that struggle, this brings up, because we struggle with knowing what confession and repentance is, that struggle is reflected in how we pray about our sin. I'm just going to be honest with you. Not understanding the difference between confession and repentance really hinders us in how we pray, okay? And what I mean by that is, is that typically a lot of our prayers when it comes to sin is basically prayers of confession. God, I did this. And a lot of times, to be honest with you, when we pray, if you think about how we pray week by week, we're always confessing the same things. Am I correct in saying that? You know I'm saying we, we know this things that we struggle with, the attitudes, the thoughts, the actions. And we're, a lot of times when we talk about prayer, what we do is we just end up talking about confession or asking God to help us to overcome it. But to be honest with you, prayers of repentance, we don't, because we don't really understand what that means, we don't really know how to pray about that. Do you know what I'm saying? We don't know how to pray that God would bring us to the place of repentance. So if you think about what 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and then it says, turn from their wicked ways. So that's repentance, turn from their wicked ways. Well, how do we pray about that? How do we pray that God would turn us from our wicked ways? So that's what we're going to focus on tonight. And I thought that where we would go is King David, Psalm 51. It's known as a prayer of confession. And the setting is, of course, he's been confronted by Nathan the prophet concerning his sin with Bathsheba. And he's been confronted by that, and of course, you are the man, and then of course he confesses. And Psalm 51 is his confession. But actually, I'm going to say to you that Psalm 51 is not just a prayer of confession, but it's a prayer of repentance. So I'm going to show you how that is possible tonight, okay? The first part of the prayer, the psalm, the first part of the psalm is his confession. The second part, which is what we're going to focus on tonight, is his repentance, his wanting to turn from his wicked ways and praying about that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he's going to ask God to do some specific things in his life to help him so that he turns from his sin. Do you understand? So let, let me let me read it to you today. Uh, if you haven't read the psalm ever, I would encourage you to read it. Uh, it's good to periodically read it. Um, here's what it says. Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. 
that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the inner in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Verse seven Purge me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise." For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then you shall offer bulls on your altar." Okay, so what I want to focus on today, first of all, let me just go ahead and tell you, verses 1 through 6 are the confession part. So he's asking God, have mercy, verse 1, 2, clean me from my sin, verse 3, an acknowledgement of his sin, verse 4, verse 5, he talks about the reality of sin in his life. And he talks about, verse 6, that God wants something so much more truth in his life. Now, when we get to verse 7 through verse 17, actually what we're going to see there is the issue of repentance. Because he's going to ask God to do certain things in his life because he realizes this is what repentance is. Repentance is not just acknowledging your sin, but making a decision that something has to change with regards to your sin. It's making a mental decision. It's having a change of mind with regards to your situation because of sin. And so I'm going to point out to you four things that he's praying here that should be reflected in our prayer, if we're going to pray a prayer of of confession. Uh, Excuse me, a prayer of repentance. So this is more than confession. The first one is in verse 7 through 9. Purge me with hyssop. Now, hyssop was a plant, okay? It was, if you remember, hyssop was what they used to put the blood on the doorposts when, uh, when, when the final plague happened, taking the firstborn in Egypt. They put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts with hyssop. So hyssop was a plant. Hyssop was used in ceremonial functions for cleansing. So he's saying, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins 
and blot out all my iniquity. So here's what he's going to do. He's going to ask the Lord, ask the Lord to cleanse you from the stains of your sin. So here's, repentance is recognizing that sin leaves a devastating, what, what's the word I want to use? Sin leaves a devastating impact in your life. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You know, like I, I tell people, like I, I, I communicate this to my children when I'm warning them about something. I'm saying, don't go there because when you go there, you open yourself up to a new reality. So, for instance, somebody who's never smoked, when they smoke, they've opened themselves up to a new reality. If they drank, they've opened themselves up to a new reality. If you are a young man and you expose yourself, or even a young lady and you expose yourself to pornography, you open yourself up to a new reality. If you are married and you engage in adultery, you open yourself up to a new reality. And you can't go back. Have you noticed that you can't go back? That's what's so devastating about it. It has a mark on your life. So his prayer of repentance is, is recognizing, God, I need you to clean me. I need your help. If I'm going to turn from this, I need you to do a work in my life. I need you to cleanse me from my sin, to cleanse me from the stains of my sin. So that's the first thing he's praying here. It's not just confessing. Confessing is, you know, have you ever had somebody, I, I remember a cartoon that I saw 20 years ago in a secular publication, and it showed, remember the story when we were in school about George Washington never tell the, told a lie, you know, and he chopped down the cherry tree and he told his dad he chopped down the cherry tree. Remember that? Okay, well, this cartoon was showing George there with a hatchet and five or six cherry trees laying on the ground. And Dad's saying, I know, George, you cannot tell a lie, but can you quit chopping down the cherry trees? You know, so, you know, confession is more than just saying you've done wrong. It's repentance is, I've got to turn from this. I've got to do something about this. And God, I need you to clean me because I'm stained. Okay, here's the next one. Look at verse 10. Through 11. Sometimes this creates doubt in people's minds because of what he's saying there. We need to understand he's speaking from an Old Testament perspective. So you need to understand what he's saying in the last part there. He says, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 11 throws people off. You got to remember, this is before Pentecost where the Spirit enters into people's lives. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon people, but it doesn't indwell, he didn't indwell us like we do right now in the church. But here's the point that David is making. He's asking the Lord, ask the Lord to give you a clean heart and to renew the Spirit's work in your life. So you're not just talking about cleaning you from what sin has done in your life, but you're wanting a new heart. And then here's the other thing, renew a steadfast spirit. I mean, why would I need to pray that? Well, remember what 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 says, don't quench the spirit. Remember we talked about that? When we sin, what are we doing? We're snuffing out the work of the spirit in our lives. We're grieving the spirit. 
So repentance is going to him and saying, God, I need you. I need you to, to clean me from the impact of sin in my life. God, I need you to give me a clean heart, a new heart. God, I need you to renew that Spirit's work in my life. Okay, so I'm going to pray about the renewal of the Spirit's work in my life. Verse 12 and 13 is going to give us our next point. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Now this is interesting. Let me kind of make the point here and then I'm going to explain it to you. Ask the Lord to help you to find joy in Christ again. Ask the Lord to help you to find joy in Christ again. Now look at what he says here. I think it's interesting. Verse 12, Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold a generous, uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. They're connected. All right, so I want to remind you of something. Maybe you don't remember this in your life. It's very evident in my life because I came to Christ later on. But do you remember, maybe you've met somebody like this, maybe this is true of you, when you came to Jesus, you wanted to tell everybody else about him. Do you know what I'm saying? You recognized what God did in your life, and now you wanted to tell everybody else. You wanted to tell your friends. You wanted to tell your family about their need for Jesus. That was very evident in my life. I remember when I first got saved, I couldn't. I, I went on visitation at church. I, I was witnessing to people in the class with me at the university. I was witnessing to my family because of what God had done in my life and the joy he was bringing in my life. Now, have you noticed that over time, though, what happens? That joy disappears, and how eager are we to share the gospel again? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? And here he's saying, God... I need you to restore that joy in my life about salvation. Because what sucks it out of you? Your sin. I'm just being honest with you. Sin sucks the joy out of your life. And because of that sin, you know what? We're defeated. We don't really sense the power of that salvation anymore and that joy there. So we're not as eager to share. He's saying here, I think it's interesting, he couples two things. God, restore the joy, and then notice that word, then I will teach transgressors your ways. God, you restore to me the joy of salvation again. Do you understand? So we're going to ask God to help us to find joy in Christ again. Because sin has drug us down. So then here's the fourth thing, and I think this is interesting. It's actually verse 14 through 17. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. And of course, that was very true in David's life. He had somebody murdered. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. The God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Now here's the fourth thing we need to pray. 
Ask the Lord to help you to move beyond the guilt to praise. Move beyond the guilt because, you know what? A lot of us are living in a state of defeat. And so what? because of that defeat, we keep going back to the same old thing. We keep going back into the same patterns. We keep finding ourselves in confession, sin. Confession, sin. And we are not changing our minds about the issue of sin. We're not turning from our wicked ways because... There's nothing there to help us. And, and what I'm going to do is, is I've got to come to God and say, God, I carry the guilt of what I've done. And we do carry the guilt, right? I mean, and the enemy, who is the accuser, constantly is reminding you of what you've done, right? Which a great passage to deal with the accusation, Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Joshua the high priest is standing there with the angel of the Lord, which is the pre-incarnate Christ. Satan is there accusing him. The angel of the Lord says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Basically, be quiet. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And the fire there is the picture of judgment. And then he says, remove his dirty clothes and put a clean turban, put new clothes on him. That is a picture of you and I. A wonderful prophetic picture of what God is doing for us. And so we're asking God, God, help me to move from the guilt to praising you, to thanking you for forgiveness, for thanking you for helping me, for thanking you for the fact that you're going to help me. Did you understand what I'm saying? That you're going to help me. Thank you for accepting me. Psalm 37, verse 24 Though he yet stumble, he'll not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholds him with his hand. You know what? First John chapter 2. My little children, I run unto you that you sin not. But if you sin, you have what? An advocate. So we got to ask God to help move us beyond the guilt back to what? Praising him. Praising him. Now, that's just the beginning of understanding about repentance. We're going to talk about it more on Sunday. But we've got to start changing our thinking. And the only way we're going to be able to change our thinking is pray about it. Is ask God to help us. Because we've got to move out of just confessing to turning. Turning from our wicked ways. Repenting. And so that's really what I want us to think about tonight. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. We acknowledge that we are sinners and that we have sinned against you. We acknowledge that, Lord. We acknowledge that we are defeated by our sin, that we find ourselves caught in habitual patterns of sin, but we recognize that we need to turn from it, and we need your help to do that. We, we need your help to bring us to the place of repentance. In fact, your word says that you grant repentance. Would you grant repentance in our lives? Would you turn our guilt to praise? Would you fill us once again with joy? Would you clean us? Would you give us a new heart? Would you renew the Spirit's work in our lives? Lord, I pray this for 
each one here and for myself. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.